Hello and welcome inside a much cozier Studio 41 presented by Chime. It is the Corner 3 where we're posted up and spotted up talking all things Dallas Mavericks basketball on and off the floor. Today we're getting into some history. We're looking back. We're looking forward. It's going to be awesome. My name is Bobby Corella. Joining me as always, our resident Oklahoma State, not the state of Oklahoma, but like the college expert, Austin Ivan. Austin, what's up? Maybe not a good week to talk about Oklahoma State after our loss last week, but... I'm sorry. Yeah, it's a subject still, but it's okay. Yeah, so OK State will remain in the Big 12, though. Yes. So you could win it next year. Yeah. Because the, the big baddies are gone. Big baddies. We, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know anything about college football. I'm not going to lie. I know Michigan is really good, which is good And they're not in family. the Big 12, but yeah. They're not in the Big 12. Texas and OU are no longer in the Big 12 after this year, so... Yeah, OSU has a better chance to win next is it, year. Is it good riddance, or are you kind of no, sad? No, it's like still um, kind of a sore subject because, like, OU and OSU are supposed to be like best friends, like best friends. Well, like brothers, like you know, okay. like we have to stick together. I mean, on the court or on the field, whenever you're playing, your rivals. But in There's the like sense, some like Oklahoma solidarity. Yeah, so they they're leaving. Interesting, us. cowards. Yeah. Wow. And then you stab them in the back. Yeah. Are you playing? Well, we're not playing them again. So, so it's not, a, yeah, not a very sure. friendly thing to do. Uh, that over there is a, <laughs> a, a guy that, that does not watch college football because he's too busy studying basketball film to prepare to ace the eye test. It's Isaac Harris. You know, last week I made a comment that I watch good football on Sunday, <laughs> and that, okay. that comment was wrong. Tuned like in to Steelers-Pats last night? Or? Yes, it was horrible. I, I just need to take back that comment. I feel I need to issue an apology because there's so many bad quarterbacks in the NFL right now that, I mean, that first slate of games last Sunday was tough. Yeah, it's tough. So, that was a false statement. I'm <laughs> sorry, everyone. Be careful firing shots, Isaac. <laughs> you never know when they'll come back around. I wish I got into college football, though. Like, I, I, just, I never never got into it. So Are you are you a fantasy guy for NFL? Yeah. Yeah. How's your team doing? Um, I need this last week to go well for me to make the playoffs. So that's. Do you play fantasy? Yeah, we Uh-oh. have a we have a at Bally's a women's Bally like fantasy team. Let's go. Yeah. Is Dana Larson in that league? No, Dana's not. Uh, so you have she, a chance she was to invited, win. but it yeah. Um, no, it's yeah, it's a fun group. Y'all talk about it in the rooms to go lounge. <laughs> Yeah, we do some like <laughs> trash talking to each other. Are you winning? <laughs> no, I'm middle of the pack. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's not bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Bobby, you have some new shoes. Uh, these are not st- super new. I'm wearing uh, a pair of they're they're meant to be white and they're still white. Um, Air Force ones. Yes. Yep. They're not too dirty yet, <laughs> and they will hopefully remain not dirty for a while. Bobby being hesitant on. Did look like it was gonna rain whenever I was walking to work today, so we'll see how the how the walk home goes. You they have might, to, they you might have, not be clean for long. But. You have to have two pairs, like one for outdoor activities and one that you like keep indoors. That's just that's too many shoes. Two? Way too many shoes. No. Yeah, way too many pairs of shoes. I think you really are overestimating <laughs> how much money I have and I'm willing to spend. Oh well, so you're not down for the shoes that I wanted to wear as a squad. I said if you bought them, I'd wear them. Okay. So if you're buying, let's do it. <laughs> I'm down to wear, color coordination or something. What are the Powder Puff Podcasters? <laughs> yeah. Is that what you want us to be? <laughs> that sounds great. <laughs> I mean, uh, might as well. This is the show of bits. Yeah. Um, 
Speaking of bits, that's not really a transition. Uh, so, so congratulations, first off, to, <laughs> to, to Luka Doncic and Dante Exum. Uh, they're dads. So that's cool. Big week in Mavs land as uh, Luka welcomes Gabriella in the world and Dante's Ooh. daughter's named... Daria. I Daria. Think. Oh, I think you're right. Yeah, I think it's Daria. And you really saved me there. Yeah, <laughs> Thank she you. did. She uh, really did. Congratulations <laughs> to them. I'm trying really hard to not knock this laptop off the arm of this chair so thank you for keeping me from googling because it will fall um but uh isaac you a couple years ago uh how long ago was this when you wrote your girl dad article almost four years ago wow yeah time flies because my Uh, daughter's about to turn daughter's about to turn four in february and uh my daughter was born three weeks before everything shut down so uh my my wife always like you know, it's like the extended paternity leave for me, uh, but you got a whole year off. <laughs> we are. So, yeah, we already had our son. Uh, he was a couple years old at the time. And then I was going to be a girl dad. I was super, you know, super excited about that. And so I, you know, I'm just like, hey, I want to write a story about being a girl dad. So I talked to all the girl dads on the team and Seth was on the team then. So talked with him and Dorian and gosh, I mean, there was J.J. Barea. Wesley uh, Matthews, too, right? I think. Wes, I think, yeah. Um, but Dorian, Dorian was a lot of fun talking about, you know, his, his kids and just, it, you know, there's a difference when you talk to players about, you know, something on the court or whatever. But when you get that chance to talk to them about family or being a girl dad or like, hey, what advice do you have uh, of being a girl dad? Seeing them light up talking about, you know, their their baby girls and uh it's just been cool. I went back and read it this week. Obviously, seeing with Dante and um, and Luca and Luca writing, you know, Gabriella on his shoes and and all of that. And uh, yeah, it's it's a fun time. And dominating, wearing the headband, you know, yes. really unlocking um, fatherly strength. Is that a is that a real thing? Yeah, you know, your your arm definition gets stronger when you're holding babies. <laughs> so I think we we'll see see Luca. You know, he starts getting a little stronger out there. You know, he's. He's holding the baby at home. And then, Austin, you spoke to Seth about <laughs> some advice for Luca. Yeah, I did ask Seth. He he really said, honestly, he was like, my advice is to not take other people's advice. He's like, being a parent, everyone is so different. So he's like, I don't want to tell Luca something. It's kind of just part of being a dad is learning on your own and figuring out what works or doesn't work for you. Um, but like you said, it's just really cool to see them light up talking about their own kids and being excited to talk about something besides basketball that, you know, is the biggest part of their lives. So, yeah, talking to Seth about his three kids and, you know, now Luca and Dante joining in in that group. They can have, like, a little dad group text yeah. and maybe, you know, like, give some, you know, I guess advice to each other or send pictures or whatever. But, yeah, it's really cool. And I, I volunteered to be a babysitter. I don't okay. have any advice for any of them since I'm not a parent, but – I'd love to babysit. So yeah. this is your chance to make the elevator pitch. Are you good with kids? Yes. That like I always grew up babysitting. That was like my favorite thing to do. Like all the neighborhood kids would come over and I'd want to like babysit all of them and just, uh, yeah, I'll run a little daycare, honestly, for all the Mavs kids if we want. So, okay. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know if we have a spot at the arena. I know we have the family lounge. We might as yeah. well just turn it into a daycare. Yeah, we got we go. 82 games. There we I'm, go. I'm going to bring my kids in the studio now. 
Yeah. Okay. I mean, okay. <laughs> Katya can bring. Okay. Question: Who? Maybe we could put them to work and help <laughs> Chopper and Cat in the back. <laughs> hey, my son loves helping. He would be about it. Who would? Which player on the Mavs would be the best babysitter? Ooh. Well, I think you could say like best as in like the fun babysitter, or like best as in. Like you can go on a date night and trust that it's fun. Who would it be? I feel like. Seth would be a good answer since he has three kids. Dwight, yeah, Dwight, for guys that don't have kids, I feel like Dwight's the most mature. Yeah. Um, I feel like Rashawn Holmes would be a really fun babysitter because I feel like, you know, he's, like, really strong. I feel like he'd do a bunch of, like, pick him up and <laughs> let him climb all over, and he'd just be down for that. I think he's, like, a pretty fun-loving guy. Yeah. Yeah, because it had to be somebody that's not, like, nothing against the kids, but hardy lively too young oh max yeah. too young well Sorry, they'll play guys. video games with them but they'll probably like <laughs> want to beat them at the video yeah. game. <laughs> i think i would go with dwight though dwight would be the one yeah yeah anyway sorry i just thought of that be some good investigative reporting <laughs> maybe who do you trust yeah who would you trust with your kids yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe that's the next map superlative video that we can mm -hmm. put out on at dallas map social media which you should follow on all platforms um okay so today we got a little anniversary Speaking of the new dad, Luca, uh -oh. five years ago, this baby-faced young man, I, I don't even know what to, how to even describe what happened on that incredible night at American Airlines Center, December 8th, 2018, hallelujah, the Mavs take down the Rockets, 107-104, one of the most iconic, like, unforgettable games that I've ever been to. Uh, you're talking about a convergence of events that whenever we were kind of I was kind of rehashing it for, for them before the pod, they were like, all of that happened on the same night. Yes. So Luca goes on an 11-0 run in the fourth quarter against the Houston Rockets, who at the time obviously had James Harden. They were very, very good. The Mavs were kind of this upstart team. Um, Luca goes on a, a personal 11-0 run, announces himself to the NBA world, and the Mavs win a thriller. That was the same game where DeAndre Jordan hit uh, Jalen Brunson with a backdoor bounce pass uh, on, on a backdoor cut for a layup to seal the game. That was the same game where Isaac Lee and Jason Gallagher, then of the ringer, came and performed uh, the, the, the pop sensation Hallelujah at American Airlines Center, which was the same game where about two hours before the game when they were rehearsing said performance, uh, Chris Paul was not very happy about it and said, uh, can y'all please pipe down? I'm trying to warm up. And Isaac and Jason said, no, we got to deliver an iconic rendition <laughs> of this song. And they did. And that was also the same game where before the game, Dana Larson is delivering a sideline report. And Chris Paul wanted her to move. But as you can see, if you're watching on YouTube, Dana's like five or ten feet off the court. And that, I guess that's just not far enough for Chris Paul. It's like, buddy, let one of the most professional uh, uh, masters of their craft do their work and you do your work pal you know you come for Dana you come for us all so all of that stuff happened on one night holy moly hallelujah that's crazy to think about it seems like it was so like just yesterday but then also it seems like it was so long ago I can't even like I didn't even remember all those things happened in one game so yeah it's crazy to watch that back and, and see Luca looking like a baby himself honestly <laughs> compared to what he looks like now and how things have changed who is not on the mavericks who are still on the mavericks but yeah crazy to think 
all of that happened in one game. And that was Luca's, like you said, Isaac, kind of breakout game. Yeah, when I think back to, you know, Luca's rookie season and just those moments, those first moments for Luca, I think about that. I mean, if we even go down to a play, the play for me is that when the game's tied and he does that step back on Capella and the air guitar going down, you know, the court, that moment right there is the welcome to the NBA. Like, that's the moment for me that, like, all right, this kid's really special. And on the previous shot, whenever he tied the game with that little floater over P.J. Tucker, that was one of the, if not the first times that Falwell said, Luka Magic. He Ooh. just kind of like, it wasn't like a like a declaration, like, that is Luka Magic, like when he hit that shot against the Blazers, which would be a couple weeks later. It was just like, how's that for Luka Magic? Just kind of throwaway line, and then now it's like the iconic thing. Yeah. So how about that? A birth of a phrase, too. Um, I will say... Wherever Dana wants to stand, yep. she can stand. She yep. can get Dana on midcourt. Like, I don't care. Yep. The ref can wait Nobody for Dana to be Dana. done to do the jump ball. Like, <laughs> But what a pro. I mean, she still delivered that, you know, pregame hit perfectly. Didn't flawless. miss a beat. Didn't phase her at all. Did not miss yeah. a beat. There's two things that have been constants around here for the last five years, okay? In a, in a world full of change. One, Luca is very good. Two, Dana Larson, immaculate. Yep. Yep. Always. Always. Many, many, like you said, Austin, many faces have changed. Um, only one player from that team other than Luca is still here, Dwight Powell. Or no, Maxi Kleba, I guess, was on that team as well. So yeah. there's only a few guys. He's in street clothes. Yeah, uh, yeah, he was, I think, hurt for that game. Um, I don't think anybody on the Rockets is still on the Rockets. A bunch of those guys are on different teams now, too. So, wow, how things change. Jabari and how's Smith this? was in high school. Who's that? Jabari Smith was in High school, maybe. I guess Amen Thompson would have been in middle school, probably. <laughs> um, so that game afterward, of course, you know, eleven zero run in the fourth quarter. Everyone is buzzing. And we're like, man, can you believe Lucas Statline? He had twenty one points, seven rebounds, and one assist. And we're like, oh my god, this guy is so good. <laughs> now, if he does that in a game, it's like, what's wrong with Luca? Yeah. He does, he does that in game. the first half. Yeah. And more. Yeah. And then some. Yeah. 21-7-1 is like a light work for him now. And we were just like, oh, my God, this guy is like revolutionizing basketball. Wow. Off night for Luca right now. Yep. Yeah. 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 Uh, So first half triple-double for Luca, by the way, in his most recent game. Fast forward almost five years. The Mavs take down the Jazz 147-97 to in a game full of bits. We had a Kyrie miss dunk and then Kyrie redemption, like five minutes apart. It was beautiful. Uh, Luca had a first half triple double, 29 points, 10 rebounds, 10 assists. Ended the game with only 40, 10, and 11 uh, because he got yanked because they were winning by so many in the third quarter. We had him beefing with Chris Dunn, or really Chris Dunn kind of beefing with Luca. Uh, unclear. We had Dante Exum delivering maybe the coolest assist of the night. Uh, it was just, we had the, the, the lights in the arena were blue to start the game and then changed back to normal color mid shot and Luca made it and, uh, kind of, uh, every, everything changed color, uh, spontaneously. It was very bizarre, but Dallas wins by uh, a, a gazillion points and, uh, fun was had. So I have a little bit of NBA trivia to impress your friends, but first, geez, 50 points. Me, oh my. Yeah. It was almost like a mercy thing. It was like, all right. I mean, Utah was to their, you know. They they were missing a lot of players. They were very, very hurt. Yeah, <laughs> yeah very, very hurt. Um, good game from Taylor Hendricks, though. But 
I mean, this is what you want from, you know, a, a playoff team in the West. You got to take care of business in games like this. And they went out and killed it. Luca looked like he was playing so free. And I mean, that lively dunk right there was insane. Uh, lively played well. It just felt like just a fun, a fun night for everybody. Yeah, I didn't get to watch the game. I was down in Houston doing a college basketball game, but going back on Twitter that night and seeing the score, I'm like, is this is this right? And then I, you know, see Luca's interview post game and see all these highlights, and I'm like, dang, that was need to go back and watch it because it looked like, like you said, a fun game. A, yeah. a lot of just cool things happened. Um, so an exciting game that I missed. What was the game in Houston you were doing? Um, Houston men's basketball. They okay. played Rice. The Cougs? Yeah. They're number three in the country, so they're wow. They're hot. Yeah. Even though they lost they lost all their guys, like Marcus Sasser, Jarris Walker. They lost, yeah. Uh the number really good? number eight pick, number twenty five pick, and another like full time starter. But yeah, they're still they're still really good. They're wow. reloaded. Okay. All right. Coach Samson used to coach for the Rockets. Um I we did. were just we just showed the Rockets earlier. So yeah, he was I don't know if he was coaching still in twenty eighteen. I think he was already with Houston at that point. I think he but was, yeah. Then. I think he was. Should Luca bring the headband back? I think he's going to, right? I mean, well, I don't know. I feel like it's to. like a a special thing. I don't know if you can like make an every game thing. Okay, that's interesting. So, what would then be the special thing? Like wearing city edition, or like first game after you have a, or like first couple games after you have a kid? Or I think, <laughs> I think it's just spontaneous. Like when you're not expecting it. I don't think okay. it like correlates to like a big time game or yeah anything like particular. But I think it's just like every couple weeks, let's break the headband out. Okay. All right. So you don't you don't want to like overuse it. It's right. like you don't want this. You don't want to get tired of this song. Because Luca was like, "It's not the headband. It's me." Yeah. So yeah, we <laughs> all believe that. <laughs> he did say post game that his hair was getting longer, so he wanted to. If only there was something you could do about your hair being really long. I don't know. It's like there's devices that'll fix that for you. Uh, okay. Here's a, a little bit of NBA trivia that will uh, you can use to impress your friends. I'm so right? excited. So you out there, I know that your friends are probably big time NBA fans and you could say, "Hey, did you know this?" So, quick trip down the rabbit hole. The Mavs scored 147 points in regulation against the Jazz, okay? That's a lot of points in regulation, but it's not the most points in regulation uh that they've ever scored. They scored 149 two different times. So, one of those times was way back on January 14th, 1983. Dallas scored 149 points in a game against the Denver Nuggets, who at the time were just, they were playing like a different sport than the rest of the NBA. All of their games were super high scoring. Uh, to give you an idea, uh, Dallas made 65 field goals in that game, which is the most in franchise history. Wow. Uh, four of their top five uh, games in terms of made field goals came against Denver in between like 1982 and 1990. So like, Denver was playing up and down. Uh, so like fast Alex pace. English, Dantley. Kiki Vandaway and mm-hmm. yeah, all those guys, yeah. Uh, later on, Fat Lieber as well. So this game, Dallas scored 149 against Denver. They attempted zero three-pointers, all right? And they only made 19 free throws. So like all of their points came on shots, right? They made 65 shots, all of them twos. That game, Mark Aguirre, how about this? He had 30 points and 16 assists, all right? So shout out Mark Aguirre, delivering the ball on time and on target. Roe Blackman led the team with 31 points. Uh, Jay Vincent had 22. Pat Cummings also started that game. He had 16 points, 12 rebounds, 6 assists. Brad Davis 
starting at point guard, 16 points and seven assists. And then Kelvin Ramsey, I know y'all know uh, who Kelvin Ramsey is. He had 16 points off the bench to lead all Mavs players off the bench. Corny Thompson added seven as well. But Corny, let's go. 65 points or 65 made field goals is not the most in a game in NBA history. So I was like, okay, that seems like a lot of shots, but what's the most? Well, the record by far belongs to the Boston Celtics. Okay. They made 72 field goals on February 27th, 1959. Where were y'all that day? Not alive. Not alive? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think I was alive. You weren't around either? <laughs> it was a little bit later than that. Okay. Well, uh, the Celtics were in Boston that day, taking on the Minneapolis Lakers. And they won that game. Again, this is regulation. 173-39 to 39 in regulation. They made 72 shots. They took... 143 shots, 143 field goal attempts. They made 72. So they only shot 50% from the floor in a game where they scored 173 points. Could you imagine a game where a team takes 143 shots? Now, it wasn't only 143 field goal attempts, which is three attempts per minute that we're talking here. Okay. Three shots per minute. That's just one team. The Lakers shot 124, but combined in that game, there were 95 free throw attempts. In one game. That's two free throws every minute. That must have been like a six-hour game. I was about to say, how long was that game? Yeah. It must have taken literally forever. Wait, I blanked it. Were you talking about the 06 finals? <laughs> oh, ouch. Too soon. Right, Too soon. The Lakers in that game shot 58 free throws. 58 free throws. They had 81 rebounds, uh, and they lost by 34. In that game, I have a couple, a couple more notes. Bob Cousy finished with 31 points and 28 assists, including 19 assists in one half. That's an NBA record. Luca, his career high for assists, I think he got to 20 one time. Uh, Cousy had that in one half in that game. Uh, 95 combined free throws. So shout out to the Celtics and Lakers for putting on a classic um, 64 years ago, a game that we certainly will never forget. And now you won't either. So impress all your friends with all of that basketball knowledge. Uh, who's the first person that y'all will tell about all this stuff? Yeah, Austin, did you write all that down? You uh, can you like send me like a bullet point list of those things? After? I'll send you. Yeah. I'll send you a link to the doc. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I can't wait to get some coffee and <laughs> talk about that. <laughs> Just tell some of my friends about coffee chats right there. Yeah, about corny and seven points he dropped back in the eighties. <laughs> it's unforgettable, dude. <laughs> <laughs> it's unforgettable. Uh, I just think it's great. NBA history is really cool and fun, and you should too. So, <laughs> Isaac's and I's friends are a little bit different, I guess, than like the friends. <laughs> <laughs> you are making the mistake assuming that my friends care about this either, uh, or that anybody cares about this either, other than me. But I just want to say the other night we were at the game. And it was halftime. And Bobby was sitting there just going crazy on his phone. I know. And I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> and he's like, I'm fighting this. I'm fighting this, like, <laughs> huge Pokemon. And he's like, it's cool because there's, like, eight other people, in, like, here, too, that's fighting it with me. <laughs> and he was just, like, fighting away on his we phone. We were doing a raid in Pokemon Go. Yeah. And I was playing with fans who were at the game. You think those fans, those Pokemon fans, would care about those stats? <laughs> <laughs> God, that is so vicious. 
<laughs> they care about stats. <laughs> Probably not. Just, just not <laughs> NBA stats. They care about different kinds of stats, but I added them all, so we're all friends in the game now. Did you really? Yeah, we beat a Reshi Ram is what we were doing. We were... <laughs> They're so I have no up. idea what you are talking Some about. Some 10-year-old's at home right now. <laughs> okay, like, no, Dude, I went to my first Mavs <laughs> game, and I beat this, like... <laughs> it was an adult, probably. I don't know. What's what's the problem with that? I'm friends with Bobby Crawler. You also assume that any of my friends play Pokemon, too. So oh, That's true. They just shoot fireworks. <laughs> that is, some of them have done that before. All right. Can we move on, please? <laughs> yes. Jeez. So... In uh, in slightly heavier news, um, Josh Green missed the last what two games I think um, with an injury that's being classified, I believe, as an elbow sprain or something, um, some some kind of elbow injury. You gotta protect it, protect this guy's elbows. Yeah, he missed some time with that injury last year. Although last year I think it was like a pretty clear, uh, there was a pretty clear moment when he got hurt. I think he like got caught under somebody or whatever. But this year I don't remember there being any sort of like violent play where it happened, but. Uh, J-Kid hasn't given really like a specific timetable, but there's been some cryptic like it won't be anytime soon kind of thing for his return, um, which is a bummer, obviously, for Josh, for the Mavs. You never like to see players getting hurt. And then, you know, if you go back to last season, the Mavs started the year with a pretty good defense and then things really went south whenever Maxi and Josh both went out because last year they were two of their better defenders. And now here we are again. Fast forward a year. Josh and Maxi are out again. Uh, and they're they're trying to pick up the you know figure things out on defense as well, but without Josh, who will slide into the rotation and take his minutes? Josh has started a few games, but for the most part this year he's given um you know twenty twenty five minutes off the bench, so that's a pretty sizable chunk of minutes to give to somebody, and it feels like there's really two obvious candidates for that. But uh, who do y'all think will will kind of ha- has the edge when it comes to getting those minutes? I think, yeah, like you said, there's a couple different guys, and they will probably be divided up and not just one guy taking all those minutes. But Seth Curry's the first one. I think he'll stay coming off the bench. He provides that spark, can ignite the offense at any time and and score. So I think um, Seth is one of those guys that will have an opportunity to play more minutes now. He's talked about how he's been staying ready, working out with coaches every day after practice, you know, trying to stay in shape and be ready for an opportunity like this. So I think these next couple of weeks or however long it might be, um, we'll definitely see more Seth Curry. Yeah, I think a lot of times it'll be situational. You know, if they need more offense out there, you know, you, you get that with Seth. Uh, I think, you know, Dante is probably going to be the, um, you know, the probably the most obvious like fill in that does a lot of what Josh does in playing perimeter defense. Um, you know, he can take some of that point of attack uh, defense. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just sitting here. <laughs> I know, I know. Bobby's fixing his shirt over there. Um, trying to not make it look so wrinkly. I do my own laundry, all right, and I do dry my clothes and take them out quickly when you're supposed to. Uh, but no, I, yeah, I think it's Dante, and I think it's a cool opportunity for him. And uh, he's playing good basketball this year, uh, back in the NBA. And yeah, I, th- I think he's going to be the 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 next guy up for for the Mavs in the short term. Now. Josh's injury also coincides with Grant Williams missing some time too. Um, and Tim missed a couple games as well. So there was a, a period where like a bunch of guys were out. Obviously, Luca missed one of those games. Kyrie missed one of those games as well. But um, unclear when Grant will come back. I believe he's already listed as out for the Mavs Friday night game. That's tonight happening in Portland. They don't play again for another couple days after that. So I'm not sure when he will come back either. But when Grant does come back, 
does Dante Exum, who started the most recent game, go back to the bench? Or does Grant slide in the starting lineup and then they bring Derek Jones off the bench, which they did a couple times? Or does Dante go back to, like, or does Grant come off the bench? I guess, like, what is your, how, how do you see that shaking out? I think it's situational, like, the matchups of what you want. Dante brings more of that pace that the Mavericks want to play with. He helps, you know, push the ball up the court and create more offense. But Grant, depending on if just matchups, if there's someone that you you think is a better matchup for Grant to defend. So I think it's situational, but um, Dante's definitely proved himself in the past couple games that he's deserving to stay in the starting lineup with the way he's played. Yeah, I mean, I think when Grant comes back, we'll probably still get Grant and and Derek Jones, you know, as those two wings. I, but I do think, you know, to Austin's point, it's going to be, you know, matchup based to, to where you might want, you might need that third guy out there that can push the pace with, with Dante. So it's, where if it's, you know, when it's Jones Jr. and, you know, Grant Williams out there, that it's basically just Kyrie and Luka at that point. You know, you're not asking those guys um, to push the pace or, you know, get up and, and you know, handle the ball. It's interesting that we find ourselves in a very similar situation as, um, I guess not the be- the beginning of last season, but like the year before, whenever it was Luka at the time, Luka, Jalen Brunson, and Spencer Dinwiddie, the Mavs had like kind of three main playmakers, Right. And earlier in that year, they had Luka and Brunson. And then last year, they started the year with Luka and Dinwiddie. And the whole conversation the whole year was like, man, who's the third point guard? Who's the third point guard? Um, it ended up kind of never – there never really was a third point guard. Um, they traded for Kyrie. They traded Dinwiddie for Kyrie. And then kind of played Jaden Hardy a lot more minutes. But he's definitely more of an off guard than a playmaker, kind of like your initiator. This year, they have three now. They got Luka, they got Kyrie, and they have Dante Exum. But if you start all three, then who's your one off the bench? And I guess you can kind of rotate them constantly. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a interesting it's an interesting situation because they have three main playmakers, and we saw what happened to the offense against the Grizzlies whenever uh, Luca was out and Exum was out, and then the offense was a little better against the Thunder, certainly in the fourth quarter whenever Luca was playing and Kyrie was out, but Exum was also out, so you still only had one of those guys. Um, so when you have all three healthy. I don't know if starting all three is the answer because, again, who are you bringing off the bench? But also, Dante's been so good defensively and, like y'all said, yeah. so good at just pushing the pace, making plays, getting steals. Like, he's a like a he's a, a uh, splash play guy on defense. Like, he, like, gets steals and blocks and takes charges and does that stuff. And he's big. Um, and he's, he is big. You know, we, we're talking about him as a, you know, as a third guard, but he's also, you know, 6'6", six, six, right? Yeah, I he's, mean, like, only an inch shorter than Derek Jones. Yeah. Like, he's like same same height as Grant Williams, yeah. so you know that's the that's the benefit of having it. I'm I'm probably with you on that. I think he coming off the bench works just works better with the rotation. But it's you know I, I've kind of been on this whole thing past like year or so about how starting I don't know I've just been more vocal about, about how starting kind of gets overhyped. It's more you know it's all about who closes the game, and I think we'll see Dante close more games uh, in the coming future. I mean, oftentimes we don't see. Sometimes we don't see Tim or Grant closing games. Like, it's neither of them. Yeah. They'll close games like Lively, Derek Jones, Luca, Kyrie, sometimes with Exum, sometimes with uh, Josh. Sometimes, they, I mean, they had Maxi closing games, like, at the beginning of the year. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, it, I guess starting does matter to a degree because it is about how you kind of get in your rotation after that. But I like the, you know, if Kyrie's going to step out five minutes into the game, Usually they bring in Tim for Kyrie, but then pretty quickly after that you can sub out like Jones or Grant and bring in Dante. So you always keep two guys on the floor. Yeah, you know they can make plays. 
Um, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, any other hot takes about the rotation before we move on to everyone's favorite in-season tournament? Gosh. It's the only in-season tournament, but it is. <laughs> so it's by default our favorite one. <laughs> no, I'm good. Let's let's talk. It, it's right. been, I would say it's been cool to see Omax get some run, you know, with some injuries, like throwing him out there. He's still super young, and he's going to make mistakes. But um, I love when you can find these opportunities for the young guys, you know, a first-round pick that can get out there and, you know, he hit a three the other night in garbage time and stuff like that gives young players confidence. And so – happy for him yeah and we keep having this conversation too of like man if the maps could only have just one more wing that's like kind of big and kind of strong and can defend bigger guys but could also maybe switch and could rebound it could run it could shoot threes it could do something off the dribble and then you just kind of forget like yeah they they maybe have one of those guys yeah maybe it's unclear still you know and omax is certainly not on the level of like some of these other premier wings around the nba that fans are keep you know post and trade machine results for but like there's that undercurrent you know underneath all of this stuff there is the the omax train is a coming you know <laughs> and maybe it's only just around the bend maybe by maybe like in january we'll be like oh remember whenever we thought that the mavs needed another wing or you know maybe it'll take two or three years and maybe it'll never happen but he's certainly making progress he looked really good against the jazz mm. he looked really really good he had some some big time defensive possessions yeah um okay in-season tournament update time for the uninitiated. It's finals week. Last night, oh, Thursday night, finals. were the semifinals. We had a, a pretty spicy game between the Pacers and the Bucks. That one came down to the wire. And then uh, the Lakers and the Pelicans, they played. Uh, and it was one, of, one team scored way more than the other team. So the finals is Pacers versus Lakers. First, Tyrese Halliburton. My God, that guy is good. Like, that's pretty much all I have to say. He's just really, 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 really good. <laughs> like, his stats in the last – look at that. Last seven games, 32.3 points, 12.7 assists, 2.1 turnovers. And I believe in his last two games, he has, like, 65 points combined or something and zero turnovers. Like, that guy is unreal. I saw the thing that he did, like, the, the Dame time. Oh, yeah. Which – and Dame talked about it after. He's like, stay humble, but honestly, I respect it at the same time. And <laughs> it's like, Dame did it. Yeah, like, it, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, the way he's playing right now, what it, what did he have, 25 points or 27 points and like 15 assists, I think, in yep. that semifinal or quarterfinal game. So, yeah, he's playing some really good basketball. I mean, he is – there. That that offense is like – I cannot imagine what the final will be whenever they play against the Mavs. Like – I mean, they played the Hawks. It was 157-152. Yeah. I mean, we might have to do some new NBA trivia whenever the Mavs play the Pacers here in a few <laughs> weeks. No, it's funny. You know, Halliburton, I don't feel like he gets talked about enough when it comes to, um, you know, players that a system is, like, built around. But so much runs through him, and, you know, his assist numbers are so high. But he can – you know, and it's weird watching him because his shot – isn't the prettiest shot in the world. It's mm. kind of a funky looking shot, but man, it goes in and he's a fun player to watch. Miles Turner, Dallas native here, uh, had a good game, you know, the other night. So I'm excited for him. They're a fun team. Rick Carlisle working his magic again. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'm rooting for him. 
Yeah, I mean, they'll, they'll definitely yeah. be the underdog in that game against the Lakers. <laughs> like, I mean, nobody on the Pacers outside of Miles Turner is older than, like, 21 years old. I mean, it's just a bunch of kids going up against LeBron, AD, like these guys that have been there, done that. Um, so on the other side, they're going up against the Lakers. There's, there's the Tyrese time. Yeah. What yeah. time is it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Lakers just drubbed the Pelicans. I think they won that game by, like, 44 points or something. I mean, it was, it was pretty one-sided. Now, after the game, uh, when asked about the life-changing money, $500,000 uh, to go to the winner, Anthony Davis, who just signed like a $180 million extension over three years, says, uh, yeah, Christmas is coming up. I got to go do some shopping for the wife and kids. So he, he might ab- apply that game check if they win the game. He might be able to go shopping for his family. So uh, shout out to him and the Lakers. Hopefully they can get it done for AD. But yeah, I mean, LeBron had 30-something points in that game. Um, dude is an ageless wonder, and I, I mean, I don't know what else to say. You know, I, I wish people would talk about his age more. <laughs> dude, it's his 21st season. He's 39 years old. Like, I, I know. That's we, what I'm saying. No one mentions it. We, it should be the centerpiece of the discussion. Hardly anybody talks about it, and it, it feels like it's just going under the radar. I do have a question. You're such a hater. <laughs> I, You're I such a, a hater. I do have a question. Which will be more impressive, uh, the in-season tournament cup for them or the, the bubble championship? Okay. All right. You know, a bunch of people that contributed to that bubble title are, uh, you know, with the Mavs now, Isaac. So, of course, that bubble title was very significant. Uh, yeah. So, that's why I'm trying to figure out which one will mean more for people. Of, Like, hey, which one, you know, where will LeBron kind of, like, put – that those Austin, trophies. save this. Isaac is just drinking Haterade. He's just <laughs> chugging Haterade right now. I don't know. I, I'm I'm staying out of this one. I'm letting y'all two fight this one out. <laughs> you picked the Lakers to win this thing, didn't you? Yeah. I think. Well, actually, no. I think I. I think you picked, picked the Celtics. Celtics. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. I did pick the Pacers to make the finals. I'm feeling really good. I did have them losing the finals to the Kings, so I'm doing less good. Okay. But I could be wrong on this, but did the Pacers and Lakers play in a finals back in like? The in the, the like, year 2000. Yeah, was it Reggie and yep. Rick Smiths and Yeah, that was the Lakers' first title. Okay. Well, like of, with, of the Kobe era, Kobe Shaq era. I remember I grew up going to Pacers games, so I remember I was a Pacers fan as you know, small kid. But anyway, I just remember that. Yeah, they won that them. finals, and then they went on the next year is when they beat the Sixers. Of course, the Allen Iverson step over Tyron Lue thing. The Lakers went 15-1 and in the playoffs that year. And then the year after that, 0-2 is when they beat the Nets. And, um, yeah. Yeah, so go Pacers. <laughs> you know, if the Lakers win, obviously the the pro of that is Anthony Davis' family gets Christmas gifts then. Yeah. <laughs> so. I'd love to see what's under the – the tree, if, you, if they win. <laughs> what what are they unwrapping Christmas Day? What would you get? All right. You guys just are handed $500,000 because the Corner 3 wins best podcast at the in-season tournament. <laughs> yeah. What Christmas gifts are you buying for Studio 41 with 500K? Our matching <sighs> shoes. Ooh, okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It'd have to be shoes. Um, probably a bigger space. A coffee. I don't know where we could find that. A coffee machine. Like a we fancy. do have a we have a, a coffee maker back there. It's it's humble, but it does the job. I know. Pro- yeah, I like the the fancy coffee with like just everything in it. Ooh, okay. Iced coffee. So yeah. Probably get chopper some like elves to like <laughs> some elves hel- help him around here. <laughs> and you're just gonna purchase some people <laughs> <laughs> to work here. I meant hire, Bobby. Oh, okay. I wouldn't All right. Come on. Okay. <laughs> um, All right. 
just yeah we are choppers elves <laughs> <laughs> all right you didn't add anything what would you want to buy oh what would i buy um that's a good question I would buy some shirts that don't wrinkle whenever I, <laughs> I sit down. I don't know how people do you it. You look TV, super like. fit in this sh- shirt, though. Yeah, these are actually my abs right here. <laughs> uh, you and Luca are sharing. I'm so chiseled. And in fact, uh, <laughs> apparently on Monday, I'm going to be like playing basketball or something on the Maps TikTok. So you'll have to tune in to find out how fit I really am. And hey, make sure we clip that Bobby saying, I'm so chiseled. <laughs> Yeah, do it. I don't care. <laughs> I am. <laughs> Prove that I'm not, all right? <laughs> I doubt any of y'all know whether or not I am. Uh, and if you know the truth, keep it to yourself. Doesn't matter. <laughs> okay, Isaac. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll have some competition at the in-season tournament podcast contest if we're trying to bring home 500 large. We'll have some competition from people who are formerly in-house Ooh. because we got some former Mavs making waves, all right? We had KP go on uh what is jj reddick's podcast is it old man in the three yep okay yep Yep. we had kp go on that one and then uh we had uh bob vulgaris the former shadow gm uh do some interviews and uh some pretty notable stuff kind of related to kp actually in that interview that i wanted to to bring up to you guys so uh first what did uh what did kp have to say yeah, you know, one, JJ and Tommy Alter, they do a great job with their podcast and so many fun guests across the league. And Holla Luca's own Jason Gallagher, by the way, that is uh, true. produces that. So the, Performer. the connections abound. And uh, so, yeah, they had Porzingis on, you know, this past week. I'm sure a lot of people have seen, you know, some clips and stuff from that. He talked about his time with Luca. There's a funny, you know, little quote and story about, uh, you know, him calling Luca baby and telling Rick to call him a baby and all this stuff. But I think one of the takeaways what, for me was hearing Porzingis talk about just how he's matured since his time in Dallas and how, you know, he even admitted he was like, I didn't understand fully, you know, what what the analytics would, were saying. And he's like, you know, if I had somebody to explain it better to me, Back then, it, it would have helped him. But even him talking about himself, just, you know, J.J. was really trying to pull out the, you know, him and Luca dynamic and uh, and stuff. And, you know, Porzingis was very mature about it and very, like, you know, cautious. We wanted to be honest about, you know, stuff. But just I think that was, a, you know, when we look back at that trade, you know, Dallas makes this swing for a superstar <laughs> to pair with Luca, And it's – early in Lucas career, Luke, you know, Porzingis, you know, had the injury, he was coming back, you know, Porzingis was so dang good before that injury. And, you know, just that season he was having New York before, you know, the ACL and all that stuff. And so they make the trade for him and you're pairing these two guys up that on paper, it's like, you see it and you understand, you're like, all right, this should be a, you know, a puzzle piece that goes together here. And, you know, it, it's just obviously the long term. It didn't work out. End up, Porzingis ends up getting traded and and all of that. But it's just I don't know. It, I recommend going to listen to it, talk, hearing how he has kind of changed since then, matured and grown up some, and and all of that. So it's good stuff. It was a different time. You know, it was a different time. If you were to like, I mean, I guess the closest example we have to that is the Mavs acquiring somebody who's you know, historically even better than uh, KP and Kyrie, you know, 
Luca was whatever he was, 23 or about to turn 24 whenever they made that deal. He had more experience. He had been to the playoffs multiple times. Um, he kind of knew who he was as a player in this league. Um, and, you know, he was established. Whereas whenever they get KP, it's like midway through his rookie season. The Hallelujah game was like the coolest thing he'd done so far when he had 21 points. And, you know, it was kind of unclear. And then KP becomes healthy. He's the former All-Star. Luka had never been an All-Star. But then suddenly Luka's like easily one of the best players in the NBA right out of the gate. And then it's like, okay, well, is he the guy or is KP the guy? And then they have to try and figure it out. And they did. That's the thing. They did figure it out. The Mavs were awesome. Uh, they were 16-5. and five. They just went to Mexico City and annihilated the Pistons. And it was, you know, you had the, the dunk picture and, like, everything was super cool. And then the very next game, Luka sprains his ankle, misses some time, comes back. KP immediately gets hurt, comes back. Luka immediately sprains his ankle again, comes back. The NBA immediately shuts down, go to the bubble. KP tears his meniscus against the Clippers, and then it's just never the same. So, like, you know, there was, like, three months of basketball nirvana interspersed with a bunch of injuries you know so like they did get there but it just they just couldn't stay there you know and uh so it was a bit of a bummer but you know he was a 2010 and two guy for the Mavs for three years or whatever and that's not too bad that's not too bad they just didn't win a championship uh and they didn't win a playoff series you know with KP here so a bit of a bummer but yeah it was just uh kind of an interesting thing I don't know well you see the differences also between Porzingis and Kyrie of like where Porzingis was the former all-star still wanting to you know show everybody of like this is who I am Kyrie like Kyrie's won a you know ring like Kyrie has been in the league Every, he, he has established himself like everybody knows how good Kyrie is and Kyrie knows what it takes to you know be a really good basketball team at a high level so I, I think you're seeing the difference of Kyrie and the spots that Kyrie and you know KP were in when they teamed up with Luca and Kyrie knowing this is my role, this is where I'm at on the pecking order, and I'm gonna play that, and I know what has to happen for us to be at you know a high high level and stuff. So, so kind of connected to what Bob Algaris said on uh, it, it wasn't really a podcast. It was kind of a I don't really know what it was. It was like a Zoom call with some business people. But Austin, I'm really curious to hear your perspective on this as the most experienced sports person up here uh you know the former hooper turned sports reporter played d1 basketball um so you've been in some pretty high level situations so uh bob talked about a lot of stuff in this meeting but one thing that he mentioned was uh this is the 2020 you know the 2019-20 nba season it's january um the mavs were healthy this was before right before lucas brain is ankle for the second time and missed more time dwight powell tears his achilles and the Mavs offense to that point was humming. Their record was very good. They were playing two bigs. They were going with Dwight at the five, KP at the four. Dwight goes down, and before the next game, um, you know, the way that Bob tells the story, I don't know if this is actually true or not, but the way that Bob tells the story is the coaching staff had already told the players, like, we're going to – essentially we're going to put Boban at the five is what must have happened because he said that they're going to go with – they're going to replace the center. They're not going to move KP to the five. They're going to play a five. So it's either Maxi or Boban. This is what we're going to do. Okay, everyone good? We're clear? Like, we know what we're doing? Great. And then Bob says that he told Rick, hey, like, maybe we should consider putting, um, I guess at the time it would have been Seth Curry into the starting lineup, play KP at the five and go Luca, Seth, Tim, Dorian, 
with KP at the five. So just play super small. And that's what they actually ended up doing. So they kind of changed the way the Bob says is like the coaches have changed their mind and uh, said, no, we're actually going to put KP at the five, play five out. We're sort of going to sort of completely change the way that we play. We think it gives us the best chance to win. And Bob said that apparently that ruffled kind of some feathers, you know, um, because the players were told we're going to do this. And they were like, no, actually, we're going to change. We're going to do this, something totally different. And so I'm just curious, um, having heard KP say, and this is, I don't know, it's weird because, like, I'm not even trying, this isn't even, like, slandering the Mavs or whatever, but this is just, like, it's kind of a really interesting inside look at communication, right? KP saying the analytics stuff and what he's talking about is they wanted me to shoot threes and dunks. They didn't want me to post up, basically. But they never really told me why, which... Rick told the press plenty of times why, so I'm not sure how much clearer <laughs> they needed to make it. But KP said they never really told me why. And then for Bob to say, like, the players were kind of confused whenever we totally changed what we were going to do, you know. Um, like, how delicate and how important is communication when it comes to that sort of thing? I mean, yeah, I think looking back at it, you always think, oh, we could have done it this way because you already know how it all plays out. I think it's also different trying to deal with it with a college athlete versus – professional athlete like they should be more mature and understand the situation um but you still have to present it in the right way and you don't know how the conversation went behind the doors in the locker room or whatever but you would think that um these players if if they're you know presented it and said x y and z this is what we're doing this is why we're doing there's going to be adjustments made there's going to be things that they change so as a player you should understand like our coaching staff is trying to put us in the best situation and maybe it didn't turn out how they thought it was going to be, or it didn't play out how they were hoping, but you know that they're trying to get the most out of everyone and doing that in different ways. So trying to, you know, experiment with different lineups or p plugging people in in different situations. So you don't, you don't know how the conversation went and you don't know how it actually all played out. But as a player, you, you have to understand there's going to be, times that you know coaches are going to change their mind they're going to see an adjustment they're going to try something different so I mean that's just that's just part of basketball and and playing different teams and and seeing what you know who's hot who's not hot what's working what's not working so there's I could see like how it would be kind of like well what like you would just roll your eyes and whatever if for example you know the coaching staff or whoever is like well whenever you post up it's 0.9 ppp and whenever you spot up it's 1.1 ppp and you're like okay but i think posting up is cool yeah. <laughs> and also i score 20 <laughs> points a game so i can do what i want you know like yeah there is this sort of like that's cool but like this is what i do yeah you know yeah well they're i mean and you kind of talked about like Kyrie versus kp like they're in completely different phases of their career so yeah as a younger player how, when like KP was, it's like, yeah, this is what I've been doing. This is what I want to do. This is what I like to do. This is where I feel comfortable versus, you know, someone a little bit older. That's like, oh, I'm, I'll try something new. I'll, I'll do what you need me to do. I'll, I'll do this instead. I'll, I'll just, I'll pivot more. So I think it's just, you know, the, the timing of their careers and understanding, you know, fully now having more games and seasons under your belt. Like I get it. I get it now more. And, you know, communication is so key, you know, with, with any really organization or business, if you're going to make change then you got to get, you know, it, it's so much better to get everybody on board to make that change together to where you can go collectively from point A to point B 
and explaining the why behind why you're changing something, explaining the why behind we're going to do this differently. And it feels like that didn't happen as much with KP to where, but whenever you do have those moments to where you have to make decisions without being able to explain and all this stuff, you got to have the relational currency built up to where there's that respect to where, all right, we're going to make this change. And you've put in the time and work for the relational currency part of that in the relationships to where it's like, all right, I trust that let's do it. Even though I don't know the why. So was that built then was that, you know, who's calling the shots and whoever was calling the shots did they have that currency built up with the players to be able to make those. Yeah. It's tough because like they were talking about that, like three weeks into his first season with the Mavs where like, you know, it's impossible to have that built up. Yeah. yeah. Right. Like it's, and you're returning from injury. And so the, yeah, there's just a, it's a whole convergence of stuff, but like one relatable example, I think to this year's team is Tim going back to coming off the bench. Sees so like for the last three years, it's been this starting one night, coming off the bench the next night, and starting one night, coming off the bench the next night. And Rick would always say post game, like he would glow about Tim's professionalism, like buying in what, whatever I need from him, whether it's starting or coming off the bench, he's going to be on board and he's bought in whatever. There was that slightly cryptic quote at Media Day where <laughs> Tim was like, I'm, you'll have to talk to him about that because I haven't yet, you know. Um, but clearly he's bought in because after the most recent game, he just said, yeah, there's been a whole history of big, big time six men with the maps. Jason Terry being one who is now coaching with the jazz. You'll go back to like Derek Harper way back in the day. Antoine Jameson was six man of the year here. Uh, even guys like JJ Barea was coming off the bench all year. And then all of a sudden starting in game four of the finals, you know, so there has been this history of, of, of six men with the Mavs, but it feels like Tim has bought in that whereas I mean apparently he did even three or four years ago but you know at this stage of his career maybe he's just more likely to do it too because times change things change yeah as you get older and I respect it so much because he's also been open about how he likes to start yeah and how he, he you know he would prefer to start but he's also bought into this and I respect that a ton from a vet mm. it's tough man it's a it's a game of adjustments and it is a it is a game of well, I thought that I was doing this, but now I have to do that. Well, that's yep. sort of weird, you know, and then you have to feel it out. And it's not like there's any pressure on these guys to perform or succeed uh, <laughs> ever. No. So. But once you see the results for a couple games, then it's easier to buy in. So it's yeah. like, like Tim saying, yeah, I like to start, but he's seen how he can still make an impact, what he's doing off the bench. And so once you once you see a little bit of the results, it's easier to buy in completely. So. Mm. And, and if you're coming off the bench but still getting 25 minutes a game, right? You know, yeah. I mean that helps too. And winning cures everything. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they look like the Pistons right now. I, you know, it yeah, might be a little tougher. And that's the that's the thing, right? The Mavs were getting those results in the first Luka KP season. They were so good, and then they just got injured and lost a bunch, and then they lost in the bubble, and then they came back the next season, and KP wasn't quite right, and then they were just scrapping to make the play in the whole season they luckily got into the playoffs and they played the clippers and it was you know kind of awkward and then the next thing you know it's a new era all over again yep so yeah strange times but hey it's all part of the story okay speaking of the story <laughs> the Your story transitions of have been incredible <laughs> i know i'm trying so Flawless. hard the story of the season right so we made some predictions at the beginning of the year. We'll get to those next. But this season has been kind of full of surprises. It feels like 
in the NBA, the NBA, the league, more than any other league, really, uh, at least American professional sports, is the most predictable league. You come into the year, hey, there's like four or five teams that could win the title. It's going to be one of them. Nobody else stands a chance. Well, you look at the standings now, and, you know, Boston and Milwaukee are at the top of the East, which is not really a surprise. But then it's Orlando, Indiana in the top five, and in the West, Minnesota and OKC are sitting atop the West. Holy mackerel. Like, what's going on? The Warriors are in 11th place. This has been a season full of surprises, I feel like. And now, by the time we get to 82 games, maybe everything will be in its proper place or whatever. But as it stands right now, about 25% of the way through the season, what has been y'all's biggest surprise? Whether that's a, a good, a bad, or an ugly sort of thing. I'll do mine just Mavericks-related and a, a good surprise. And I don't know if it's like a complete surprise, but just how good Derek Lively is, how quickly he's adjusted to the next level. I mean, we knew what Luka could do. We knew what Kyrie could do. We didn't know exactly what they could do together, but you have things from previous seasons that you can look at. But Derek Lively coming from college, his career high was 13 points, and he had 16 points in his NBA debut. So we really didn't know what to expect from him, but he's adjusted to the next level so quickly. And as a rookie, you just didn't know – what he was capable of doing, how big of a role he was going to play. So in a in a good way, he's definitely been a very pleasant surprise with everything that he's been able to do to start pretty much every game this season for the Mavericks, be that interior presence, making shots at a very high percentage. So um, I would say Mavericks-related, Derek Lively. Do you want me to do Mavs or League or either? It's an open-ended question, man. <laughs> Choose your I'll, own adventure. I'll do the top and bottom of uh, some conferences here. I think you are much higher on Minnesota than I was. I'll take my victory lap in a yeah. few minutes. <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> Going into the season, even last year, I think you're higher on Minnesota. And I was – I didn't think that they would be, you know, a non-playing team, but I didn't think they would be – they've only lost four games. Like, it's at the top of the whole league right now. And I'm, I was just really skeptical of the – cat uh, go bear pairing uh, long term just how that would fit in, in all of that so uh, that's been really surprising to me and kind of the opposite side is I thought Detroit would be taking a step forward this year and that's just a, an absolute mess that's happening right now uh, you know when you go out and sign um, you know you hire a, a coach to the largest I think contract in um, history for an NBA coach that is a kind of a veteran coach um, you kind of want to take those next steps and stuff and just, you know, seeing fan reaction, uh, Detroit media reaction, just how that season there's difference between a team, you know, struggling and Hey, like a young team and, but they've only won two games and their losing streak is, I forgot what it's at right now. In 18 high, games high teens, yeah. and their next six games are not easy. Yeah. So. so I just thought I didn't, I was, I was high on Orlando. I love Orlando, but I didn't think that they would be like Detroit, like up there, but I thought Detroit would be like fighting for a play-in spot this year. And I've been really surprised. I know they've had some injuries, but I've just really been surprised at just how bad they've been. Yeah, and some, you know, uh, controversial roster decisions too, with or playing time decisions. You know, with some of their younger guys yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we'll see how that shakes out. Of course, the Pistons did beat the Mavs once last year. Um, they don't play. Yeah, they don't play for a while, though, I think. So we'll see what happens. Bojan's about to come back for them, so maybe they'll turn it around a little bit. My biggest surprise, you just mentioned them, the Orlando Magic. 
My goodness, they're 14 and 7. They're third place in the East. And they profile as a legit team, folks. Number five in defensive rating, number 16 in offensive rating. So, I mean, that's a legit, that's a legit team. That is a legit team in Orlando. Jamal Mosley doing a great job with them. Kind of there was no really very few doubts that they were going to be like a top five to top 10 defensive team. Plenty of doubt about their offensive capabilities, but they're scoring enough to win all these games. They're 10 and two at home. Um, they got a bunch of like 20 year olds on the team and they've done a lot of it without Wendell Carter Jr. too. They're, they got Gogo Batadze manning the middle. So whenever Carter gets back, eh, he might be back already. I don't know. I haven't looked at their box scores in a week, but um, they might win a lot of games this year. Palo. Yeah. Paolo, Franz, they're legit, man. Yeah, they're yeah. really, really – Jalen Suggs, really good. Fun um, team to watch, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, I ran into Coach Mosley at um, Summer League and, you know, talking about the team. He's like, oh, I love this group, everything. And you think, oh, well, that's every coach talking about their team. But, I mean, he was absolutely right. I mean, they just – they're so fun to watch. They are all bought in. They're, they're a really young but energetic group. So, yeah, I should have – I should have predicted them after I talked to Coach Mosley and, and how high <laughs> you had he some was. Intel. I know, I I know. I didn't mm. even didn't even use it to my advantage on our predictions, but I should have. Yeah, and so now we might have to eat some crow because at the beginning of the season, I think this is the first ever episode of this podcast that we did. We made some bold predictions. Okay, I asked our fearless, my fearless co-hosts, give me a team you're higher on and a team that you're lower on than everybody else. Now it's time to. Time to prove we know ball, okay? Ooh. Were we right or were we wrong? I'll, I'll go first because I was wrong about one thing. But I was right about another thing, <laughs> okay? I was high on the Wolves. Now, granted, I was, like Isaac said, I was very high on the Wolves last year. I thought that they were going to push for, like, 55 to 60 wins last year. And gr they might very well have if their big men didn't miss, like, the whole season. But this year they're healthy and they are dominating. They're almost invincible at home. And they're winning a whole lot of games on the road, too. So the Mavs play them three or four times, and they play pretty, like, they play a couple games, I think, back-to-back -back against them or something. Like, they're, they're about to play the Wolves quite a bit here in the next few weeks. So those will be some tough games. But I was right on them. Now, I was also wrong on something. I'm not too, uh, I'm not too proud to admit when I'm wrong on something. <laughs> I said that I was lower on the Kings than maybe everybody else because my reasoning at the time, I thought it was sound. The West, you know, teams were getting healthier and some teams made some additions and the Kings just kind of brought the same guys back and it's like, okay, well, maybe they'll get figured out or whatever. No, they are still winning plenty of games. Now, granted, when De'Aaron Fox went out, they lost a ton. But with him in the lineup this year, their win percentage is basically almost as good as like the Wolves is for the season. So they are really, 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 really good. And I think they're only going to get maybe even better. And uh, yeah. Cats Kings. Yeah. Looking good. Yeah. So, you know, I still believe that I can turn it around. Uh, the Kings have only beaten the Mavs one time this year. Maybe the Mavs can get a few back on them and lo lower that win percentage down back to the group. But, yeah, so I'll, I'll go one and one on my record, on my predictions. Okay. Do you all know ball more than me? Awesome, what you got? Um, I said I was low on the Spurs, which... Proven to be correct so far. Yeah. What, three wins for them, I think? So, <laughs> bottom of the West, so... Um, yeah, I mean, I, I was excited about Wimby, but I just thought they were still too young to, to figure it out completely. 
Um, and then I said I was high on the Suns, and they're in the middle. With high, Booker, middle. they're with Booker. They're with rate Booker, and really we haven't good. seen all three of you know their superstars all playing together. So I think um, once they all get healthy at the same time and are playing, I think they can move up even higher. So I would say I was. I don't know. Decently right about the Suns. I think you were decently right. Twelve and nine in the season, but seven and three in their last ten. Yeah. That's basically when Booker got healthy. And though you know, their most recent game against the Lakers. Yep. Little controversial ending there. Yeah. Um with yeah. A, a timeout just given. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Suns are like the definition of just get to the playoffs and mm. make sure they're all healthy. Um my two teams were for you know, the team I was lower on I was the Clippers. This was pre-James Harden trade, um, so I guess I'm feeling okay about it. Like they're not in, they're not in the playoffs right now, right? They're ten and ten. They're currently ninth in the West. Okay, so they're a play-in team right now in the West. Seven so. and three in their last ten, though, so they're trending up. Yeah, it feels like they're kind of putting some stuff together, but you know, if they crash and burn, that's okay with me. All right, just be careful talking about the Clippers on camera. Oh yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, like for the prediction, <laughs> like ah, uh, okay, okay, yeah, okay, yeah, 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 that's true. <laughs> Um, team I was higher on was the Rockets and felt really good about that at the beginning of the season. And then, you know, they've, they just can't, you know, yeah, they can't win on the road. They're still nine and nine. Now they are oh and eight on the road, which is a, a, a serious problem. Um, I believe the only team in the NBA that without a road win. Yeah. A few teams have one Chicago, Detroit, and Utah all have one road win Houston. Oh, and eight. The question is, what were they expected to be? Because I feel like if they go 41 and 41, which is their current win like pace, I feel like that's higher than people would have expected. So you yeah. might still be right on that. I mean, I thought they would be like a play-in team. So like getting get one of those play-in spots. And yeah, so they're on pace two right now. Yeah, they're currently 10th place. So I feel I feel I feel good about both of them right now. Less good about the Clippers one, but because it so looks like they're turning around and playing good basketball right now. So I'm one and one, a firm one and one. You are a solid two and zero. Oh. What are we giving Isaac? You better be nice. An incomplete. That's gonna be nice. A one and one. Um, a two and zero. Oh? I feel like two and zero oh is too generous. One and a half half. Yeah, I was gonna say one point five. We'll give you one. Mm, okay, right, I'll take it. All right, second place. It's <laughs> not too bad. I got third place. That's great. I end up on the medal stand. I'll take it. As long as we don't look at some of our other predictions, I looked at those last night. It was like breakout player, and I, I was like, yeah. I said Jabari Smith, and he's been good. Yeah, he's been good, but he's been good. I don't know what his, if his stats are breakout player I, stats, but but I thought what he, I thought he would be doing, kind of what Shingun is like. It feels like Shingun is oh, like okay. separated himself from that roster. Yeah, as the guy to where if like if they get an All Star, it's gonna be Shingun, mm. and. So I thought that was going to be Jabari this year, and so. Well, maybe next year, Isaac. Maybe <laughs> you're just in early, you yeah. know, um, to to catch up on a couple other stat predictions that we made. So one, uh, quickly was who's going to lead the West in three pointers. Um, Steph currently leads with 96. Second place, how about this, Luca, with 75, that. and then Tim Hardaway is sixth. He finished fourth last year. Uh, Tim, of course, missed two games. Otherwise, he'd probably be higher on the list. And then Grant and Kyrie both tied in 22nd place. So the Mavs have four of the top 25. That's not bad. Yeah. Nice. That's not bad. Uh, and then who's going to have the most technical fouls in the West? Uh, I guess Draymond. Currently, we got a four-way tie. Oh, wait a minute, a five-way tie. Uh, five players in the West have four techs each. Luka, 
D'Lo, LeBron, Draymond, and Rudy Gobert all have four techs. Your league leader, KP. Wow. Eight. Yep. Oh, my God. He's got eight I, techs in 20 games. And he's been like, yeah, he's been. He's missed some games, he's too. He's missed some games. Yeah. He's KP. getting them up, man. Wow. <laughs> like, that is impressive. Dang. And, okay, do we think Luca's tech will get rescinded? Uh, I think it should. If it hasn't yet, I'm not sure it will, though. Okay. It should, though. That was that was egregious in my opinion but was, I'm, I'm unbiased for as much as i, I think for, for as much as luca gets flack from you know arguing all that stuff I, I think he deserves a little bit of praise for not reacting or responding in that moment because he didn't do nothing i know he just yeah. he just <laughs> laughed and uh he was very adamant post-game. he literally laughed and walked away yeah. yeah i was like oh proud moment yeah that was maybe yeah. that's dad a growth moment yeah that's, that's dad luca yeah i mean what if what if that is the answer him becoming a dad, and then he doesn't get a tech for the rest Ever of the again? season. Well, no, that's <laughs> but like he doesn't like go at the refs as much. We'll see. Yeah, they play a game tonight. We'll find out. We'll find out. You know? His techs usually come in bunches. He'll get two or three in a three-game span, and then he won't get another one for like three weeks, and then he'll get three more. So we'll see if he gets one tonight. I hope not. It's the Mavs and the Blazers. Blazers are very short-handed as well. Jeremy Grant out. DeAndre Ayton listed as doubtful. They did recently get Anthony Simons back. He's played two games. Uh, Shaden Sharp is playing pretty well, Scoot Henderson. So, you know, we'll see. The Blazers have a lot of guards. Um, they don't have a lot of, like, big wings. Matisse Thibel, Tumani Kamara, they're, they're two wings. Matisse is, what, 6'5". Um, has had moments against Luke in the past, though, from what I can remember. Blazers force a lot of turnovers, so the big key of this game is ball security, um, the Blazers lead the league in steals per game or second in steals per game. Live ball turnovers have been the death of this team many times already this season. So do not turn the ball over. Get shots up, score, rebound, dominate, and hopefully win the game and make it two in a row. Heck, maybe make it two 50-point wins in a row. That'd you think be they nice. can do it? Predict now. 50 points or no? I'm going to take the under. Yeah. yeah. I'll go over. <laughs> I don't care. I'll go whatever. <laughs> um, all right. Anything else that we missed? Or are we good? We ready to rock and roll? I think we're good. I got to hit start. up. We've yeah. been posted up and spotted up for an hour and 10 minutes now. My hip is getting sore. <laughs> yeah, it's time for some La La Land. That's right. I could use some coffee. Not not it's not sponsored. Uh, we I have. Meant, I meant the movie, but. Oh, that's a good movie, too, yeah, I guess. You know. Um, okay. Well, Austin Isaac, thank you for joining me. Appreciate it, as always. Uh, in the back, we got Cat and Chopper. And Chopper and Cat, thank y'all. Cat waved. Chopper is. Chopper. Thumbs up and just tell me. What about me the elves? Chopper's, Chopper's, Chopper's giving me the playoff. He's playing <laughs> me off the stage. We, uh, we really elves. appreciate y'all. I'm Bobby, and we'll see you next week on the Corner Three. Goodbye.